First of all, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, big fan. I'm a big fan. I watched so, five all time. I saw the movie. I think uh, up there with, I think your movie was, when I was coming up, Scarface was a cult classic, right? Me too. And then Wolf of Wall Street was kind of the cult classic now because of this story. But I, I'd like to focus about talking because what most intrigues me about you is the comeback. Right. And uh, failure, I, I'm a big proponent. I always talk about failure because failure t typically brings out the best or the worst in people. How, what do you think the toughest thing for you was? Because you were at a level that people dream about, and even then they still can't get right. to To go all the way to where obscurity, dealing with law issues and stuff, how were you able to get up off the ground and be like, okay, what's my next move? I, I think, you know, for me, you know, I think it's about – you know, what's your why? Why do you want to come back from wherever you are? Right. Failure, a terrible thing, right? And I think, you know, for me, it really had to do with that moment in time about, you know, the love for my children. I had two kids, and it was just like, you can't imagine, like, forget about the pain I caused for myself, you know, other people, but the, to my children, it was like just this unbelievably gut-wrenching moment. I had to tell them I was going to jail, and, and, you know, I didn't want that to be the story of my life, and I think what happens with some people with failure is they let failure define them, become the story of their life. They become the failure. For, for me, I, I look at failure very differently, that, that when you fail, as long as you're willing to learn the lessons, because the lessons are in failure, if you're willing to learn the lessons, it makes you stronger. You can become better. You become tougher, more resilient. And obviously, there's a lot of hard work to be done, things you have to learn, changes you have to make. You have to be honest, get brutally honest with yourself. And I think that's one of the things about the book I wrote, The Wolf of Wall Street, I was brutally honest. This is my well, this next is book. One. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. So, but it was brutal honesty. And and then from there, knowing that I wanted to show my kids that I was a good man, that I wasn't the person that made those mistakes, but that those were mistakes I made. And here's the better version they could look up to. And, you know, thankfully, I think I accomplished that in many times over. You know, because what, what you did is you took accountability. And I, I can honestly say, I not many people own as much shit as you do. Right. Like, very few people who have been, and again, you're a unicorn in terms of the heights of your success, right? right? I mean, you had yachts sitting on top of yachts. But they always kind of have an, uh, uh, this guy, this guy did this, or this guy went behind my back. You don't do any of that. Like, right. you just own the moment. Yeah. How powerful is that for you on the inside? Because nobody can, like, if this was the type of interview where, like, I'm going to get him today, I'm going right. to try to, but I can't possibly do that because right. you've done it all. Like, <laughs> I got myself right. Yeah. There's nothing that anyone could throw any criticism at you because you're like, yeah, I own that. How powerful is that for you? I think the most powerful thing is that when you own everything yourself, you hold yourself accountable and don't look to others, You that gives you the power to change. If you think other people are, are creating your circumstance, well, then suddenly your life is out of your own control because other people are doing things to you. Right. So if you look at it that, listen, I my my circumstance were created by my actions, and I could take different actions to create new circumstance, you give yourself the power to change. Thinking that the world happens to you, I mean, I'm like a victim of circumstance or creature, right. it's the most disempowering thing. You'll blame other people, which is what you're exactly what you're saying. You blame, you complain. Right. And, you know, again, you just it, you set yourself up for massive failure to become your failure like that. Well, you end up in a time machine. Ten years goes by while you're blaming everybody else. Now, I, I talk about a lot in my books. One of the things I always talk about is 
You're going to go through life where people hate you. Don't the color your skin, whatever you do, your religion, the way you look, dress, someone's going to have an issue with you. You can't change them. Correct. But you can fix the guy in the mirror. And what I mean by that is, is that dude in the mirror, you can mold him, you can discipline him, you can change things about him. Every situation you could always handle better, even when the chips are stacked against you. And yep. in my case, sometimes like people uh, being black and, and working at Fox, a lot of times you hear a lot of the race card shit. And that's exactly what it is. It's shit. And if someone didn't like me because of the color of my skin and I'm in a meeting with them, and maybe I know that they don't like me for that reason. But something they do and I, I take the bait. Right. And I get into it with them. And at that moment, it's my fault. Well, you're giving them power. Because I, I took the bait. But if well, I don't take the bait, what yeah. this individual thinks of me is irrelevant. But yeah. I allow myself. And that's one of the things that uh, so impressive about you because. I appreciate that. And not to mention, you're not afraid of the limelight either. Because some people will be like, you know, because I was talking to Pierce Morgan the other day. And, uh, you know, I was like, why come back? You made, you got your money. You're good. You know, the, the whole Meghan Markle thing, getting him fired from his TV show and stuff. Why'd you come back? And he just said, I had to. Right. There's no other reason. And you were coming back, and now you're teaching. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And what student can say, well, how do you know? And you'd be like, well. I've been there and done it. Right. Yeah, on top of that. The good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> what, is, what do you miss the most? Is there anything you miss from, because, you know, uh, and again, my athletically, I, I had real high moments and it's on top of the world and had big bank accounts, and then all of a sudden, boom, one day it's all gone. Right. And you got to figure out what to do with that. I don't miss much from the highs when I'm in the lows. Was, mm -hmm. Is there one thing that you're like, oh, man, I wish I would have kept that? Or was there one material possession? Was there one not, thing? Like, not material stuff. In fact, yeah, I live a great life. But, but to me, it was the, the camaraderie. In other words, I, I'm very fortunate that I still do large events and I have people right. in the audience. But there's a difference when you have a few thousand people that work for you every day and you're impacting their lives and everyone's having fun together. So that was amazing. There was a time in the beginning, especially before it got completely out of hand, where it was just like this unbelievable group of young guys and girls, by the way, and you know people that would have probably never made that much money, suddenly making millions of dollars. It wasn't just me making money. It was everyone making money. So it was just this incredible journey in the beginning that ended up going in the left turn Albuquerque, right? Right. But that, I certainly would always cherish those moments of everyone these, all these people being together and just being happy, fun, carefree, and living the life. Because I retired from wrestling this year, and while I don't miss the, the bumps and the pain, I miss the locker room. Exactly, right, the camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. One thing in the movie they did capture well was like you had, a, you had performances <laughs> and the speeches with the microphones and stuff. And right. You would get guys would be fired up and they'd be ready to go play a football game. Exactly. And that type, but you can't teach that. That's, you're able to motivate. And now that you're outside of the world, but you're still motivating. Right. Just in a different way. Yeah. Well, I, I go out and do the, the events, both public and private, where I, you know, teach salespeople to become more effective, motivate just everyday people, entrepreneurs. So, yeah, I still get that rush and I love doing it. It's something that came naturally to me. Um, so I'm fortunate that I got like, you know, I, I got a second chance and I think everyone has the ability to have that second chance. But you gotta then make the most of it. You gotta take action. It's on you. The second chance. Yeah, exactly. You could have laid down. There you go. You could have. I mean, you're a smart guy. You know how to make money. Yeah. So you could have just got run off into the sunset. Yeah. And, and stayed on. I'll give you an example. So when I went to jail, right? Who was my bunkmate? Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong. We're sharing a cell together, right? Wow. And that's how I started writing a book. Tommy always telling some stories about my life, and he's like, 
dude, you got to write a book. It's insane, right? I was like, really? But the thing is, is that he gave that same advice to probably 50 other people as well. Of course. But they did. didn't do it. Like, so, you know, I took that opportunity. I got good advice from someone. And then I had to teach myself a skill. I and mean, I had to learn to write. And I spent one year studying a, a famous author, Tom Wolfe, Bonfire of the Baddies, like using his book as a textbook. And I taught myself a strategy. How do you write at a high enough level to really write an engaging book? So I think one thing that people don't often do is they don't take the time to learn the skill. You know, you they need just to, want the result. They want the result. And, and very often the result you want requires a specialized skill. And you got to do the hard work. It's not fun. Well, you know what? We we're so, no, I wrote my first book. Let me ask you a question because I went through the whole thing. Like, because when you hear how they break it down, I couldn't do chapter one to chapter three. It's, it's difficult. Fuck no. Like, I would just write random things, like, just all over the place, and then I had to put this jigsaw puzzle together. Right. Then you finally get it together, and I gave it to the publishers. About two weeks before the book came out, I got the finished copy, and I started reading it, and I freaked out, and I called <laughs> books off. I didn't want to share this much. I didn't realize you caught me on some bad days, <laughs> and I wrote some stuff that I'm not comfortable brutal with. Brutal honesty, yeah. yeah. Brutal honesty talking about yourself, and they're like, well, it's too late. <laughs> the or, copies yeah, are in the bookstores. Yeah, and, I, and my writing coach, a guy named Chris, was like, "This is common. You're gonna feel, you know, one of those happy guys." Like, yeah, that, like I was like, "Fuck that!" I don't want the book out. Did right. you go through any of that with your first book? Like, you wrote it and you're like, "Ah, oh, you know what?" Not till ten years later. But it's like, so because the time I wrote the book, like I lost everything. Right. Right. And so I, I had nothing to lose. I was just brutal honesty, putting it all out there. I read the book that ten years later. I'm like. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe, like today, I'd probably be a little bit more careful right. with like uh, saying things about myself, but you know, I think that that served me well. That's what makes you so like yeah. Because <laughs> even though they weren't maybe dealing in millions, they're dealing in their life, same situation. Exactly. Exactly. I wish I would have owned it like that because uh, brutal honesty with yourself, I think is the, People respect is, it. is the essential key to being better. Because I can tell you, and I did, when my knees didn't quite go the way I wanted with my football career, I had my golden ticket to where I could just blame it on an agent or like, oh, they made me practice on a bad wheel and I didn't get signed. You will, people will find those things. And then that, that instance becomes their martyrhood where like, it doesn't matter what the conversation is, it'll always come back to my knee. You know, like that's my reason for not doing yeah. anything else. And you wouldn't, because you had a pretty good reason for not doing anything else. Listen, I also, as you said, it's like, I could have just made money quietly as a salesperson, as an entrepreneur, but, you know, the, the path was almost, a, someone writes itself your path. You right. know, one action leads to the next action and so forth, right? So when I started writing, I never imagined it would end up this way, but I think that when you just do the right thing and do the hard work, things end up working out in a way that you want. You don't know which, which path you're going down, but it's one foot in front of the other, and you know, I knew I wanted to come back and I was determined I wasn't going to stop until I did. If it took three or four pivots, I would have taken those different roads. But it turned out this was the way, and I embraced it the whole way through. And, and I look back now, and, I, and I'm, you know, proud of it. And I'm also proud that my children are great. And, and, um, and that's the best part of all. So it's a lonely path to redemption. And a lot of time when you, and with me, like, I have friends who were very comfortable in the misery. Yeah, You know, and when you decide to make the change, because it wasn't just you, you, you had friends, you right. had connections, business associates, everyone took the hit. Was it difficult? Was there ever a point where you had to cut somebody off because they just couldn't let it go or they weren't good for you anymore in terms of like, 
this is where I'm trying to go. We can't get that back. Sure. A lot of times people want that. They want that, that fast fish, that instant problem. Oh, if we do this, yeah. Maybe we do this. Maybe we won't get caught this time. Mm. Did you have to go? Was there anybody? You know, to mention No, I know. Yes. Like you know, there's like you had to end relationships. Sure. Yeah. The answer is yes. I mean, uh, multiple times, even before I got caught, so to speak. Right when I first got sober, I had to cut like a lot of people out of my life because they were still using and. And uh, or doing things I didn't you know, you want right. you want to be involved in anymore. But then of course after jail I just I just made it to me it was a commitment to myself. I'm never gonna surround myself with people that are doing shit that they shouldn't be doing. I don't want to be part of it. And also I'm never gonna engage in a behavior myself that I think is even the slightest bit questionable. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you're policing yourself. Exactly. So it was never even an op- option for me. So it was like, it was pretty easy to, to when you, when that's your mindset, it's really easy to stay as they say on the straight and narrow because she was never going to do it. I wouldn't. Well, cause you're going to be more strict to yourself. Exactly. Because someone else did. Exactly. Especially when you're dealing with Doug, getting your addiction stuff. Cause usually manipulators, that's the easiest way to you. Oh, just have one for old time's sake, bro. Remember, you know, and then they got you, right? you know, then, yeah, you know, of course. So, all right, let's switch. To the new book because yeah. I was uh, I didn't get a chance to knock it all out last night but I was uh, Brian Kilmeade and I were he was wondering He's why great. I got to interview you yeah. first and I was like hey hey, hey. <laughs> so one of the things that we both discussed because I kind of I went to the middle of the book to try to get some information and then I found myself oh I gotta go to the beginning you know mm-hmm. and you talk about that how the the rich kind of block everybody out right how does somebody break in like some, someone like myself who literally if it wasn't for Charles Payne I wouldn't know much about. Uh, Wall Street, because I'm always telling myself too aggressive. Whenever right. I got involved, I wanted to buy a bunch of stuff, and if I didn't get a return in a day or two, yeah, I would have yeah. had that. You know, like yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a farmer's patience with stocks, correct? Like hundred percent. So I think that like the the book is really to me represents like one part of like you know, how you retire wealthy, and okay. one is making a decent amount of money. You don't have to make tons of money, but have making a living and you know, and making sure that your budget is not more than that you're making, right? But then the question really is, what do you do with the money that you have saved? How do you put that money to right. work to really grow a nest egg that one day you can retire rich? And that's what this book is about. It's about the other side. How do you take the money that you have and the money that you earn and put it to work in a way that's safe, effective, meaning you're going to end up getting a return that will allow you to retire wealthy, right? And I think people intuitively make massive mistakes. All the things you think you should do, it's the opposite, right? Like thinking, like you said, I'm gonna, I have no patience. I wanna pick up winning stock. People that, let's say you have $10,000 to invest. It doesn't matter if it's 100,000, 10,000, whatever it is, a million, right? I feel like when, I when, when, right when you get down to the smaller amounts, let's say 10,000, people say, well, I can't buy like a big stock because I need to find a little one that's gonna go wildly because how can I take 10,000 and make it into a million dollars? They think they have to come up with the next Apple or next Tesla or penny stock or crypto token. And the truth is that you could take even a very small amount of money like that and just simply buy the index, the stock market itself, S&P 500, hold it for the long term and make little contributions along the way, right? And through the power of compounding, 
It's very shocking what happens. You end up with a massive amount of money, not in five years, but 20, 30 years down the road. That's not that long. We live a long time, by the way. Right, but okay. you're just impatient. Or is it lack of education? Like, I feel like the stock market is it's not taught in, in school. Like Kids aren't coming out learning like how to balance a checkbook and hey, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take my, uh, I'm going to take a hundred dollars from each paycheck, sure, and put it in a slow, uh, yielding thing like what you're talking about. So, and in yeah. 20 years, I'm going to be straight. Sure. I'll be great. Instead, we're buying the new Apple phone every time it comes yeah. out. Well, certainly that that part of budging and in financial literacy. But I think you know one of, the, one of the things Warren Buffett says that's great. If Wall Street truly gave you the best advice that they should be giving you. 90% of we out of business because you know, there's Wall Street, there's two sides to Wall Street. There's the positive side, they create massive value. Wall Street's necessary. It, it, without Wall Street, the economy would not function. We would not be the country that we are financially. The, U, the US dollar wouldn't be the global reserve currency. It, it wouldn't happen, right? But then there's the underbelly, the CD underbelly, where they try to convince the average person to be engaging in short-term trading, trying to time the market, buy, sell, you know, and go from one stock to another, to oil, to this. Like, if you watch CNBC, they'll have you think you should whipsaw, and every time the market's up, sell, because yes. you want to take a profit. And that's, and that's why op- I always bail. It's the opposite of what you should do. What you need to do is buy the entire market. It's very simple to do. There's a couple positions that you need. And that's really what the book explains how do you go out there, establish the right type so of account. I have, I'm double-fisted. It's a, so, I got one, too. I read it twice. <laughs> right, yeah. If I read it twice. Right, twice. I'm going to get it. it I'm going to get it. I always do two books. Read one book twice. Tired. It's so simple. It really is very simple. But the media, Wall Street media complex, tries to complicate it. And, like, for example, you think, oh, these hedge funds are so great. Last year, like, the, the S&P, just the market, returned 25%. Hedge funds averaged 5%. They, they can't beat the market. So it's like this this very simple strategy that anyone can adopt. And it's buy, hold, long-term, reinvesting dividends, having a couple of key positions, right? And you can still speculate now from like 5 to 10% of your money. But if you just simply do that and start relatively young, but it's never too late, by the way, no. you can end up with millions of dollars yeah. without anything special happening. Just, just patience little bit of investing over time, millions of dollars waiting for you when you retire. And the saddest thing is that this information, I didn't invent this strategy. This information's out there. I guess I tr- made it, it's very funny to read. So it's engaging. So that's one thing. You right. have a lot of humor in what you Well, say. that's so people will read it because it's such, I think it's, it's like life-changing information to what do you do with your money so you can retire wealthy one day. The future's coming whether you want it to or not. One day you're going to want to retire. Do you want to have $50,000 in your account or... $3 million in your account. I'll probably go with $3 million, I'll take Probably, right? All right, so let's switch to mental health real quick because how you are an intense dude. I, I, you are an intense dude. How do you keep that edge? Is it, Are you a workout guy, diet guy? Like, what is your what is your secret? I heard some rumors when I walked in here about some ice baths. Like, I'm an ice bather, yeah. What is your, give me a typical day for, so, for okay. a man like yourself. Starts off every day. I do between 6 and 10 minutes in ice cold water, 35-degree water. I just go in there and I sit there in like zen-like state. You know, I, I used to go over 10 minutes. My doc said, you have to cut it back. It's really six minutes is sort of the opera. Right. Yeah. So I do at least six, but I usually go over because I just enjoy it. And that gets me started. And then I do abs. I sit there in this, I, I live in Miami, so it's warm. But even if I'm traveling, I do it wherever I am. I'll have the hotel bring up like 20 buckets of ice and I'll make it in the bath in the hotel. Right. Okay. Then I do some exercise, not, not that much, 15 minutes of exercise. 
and I'm set. And like the, the benefits of that, I have a bad back, right? It, it like took away all the pain in my back. I get an incredible, I get a free drug high without doing drugs because you get this okay. dopamine. So you rush. replaced it. Exactly. With something positive. What, when does your day start? My day? Yeah. Well, I, every day I wake up at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Lie in bed 15, 20 minutes, then I'm up. And, you know, I'll be looking at the news. Fox News, of course, is my favorite, which, you know, is well, that, well, yeah. but it's well, I mean, I love Fox News, right? But I, you know, look, financial news, I like, I love human, I love human interest stories too. I, I'm not like to read, I just love to sit there and see what's going on in the world, right? And I go to, by the way, I go to MSNB, I look at the other side too. You have to. I want to see what okay. they say. You have to. I watch everything. I read the New York because Times, which is hysterical. Yeah, New, York yeah. <laughs> New York Times a little, yeah. No, but I do. I make, sure I, papers, but I yeah. make sure I read it. because You I have want, to know. You have to know, right? So I, I do that, and then I can really start with the ice plunges and the working out. I do infrared red light therapy, oxygen, hyper-oxygen. I do electrical stimulation, Matt, and I take like, uh, you know, 20 vitamins in the morning. Uh, to, listen, you know, to me— I, I need to listen because my listen, hip's weird right without, now. Without— Without having your health, like people say, oh, it's and when you say, I wish I had my health. It's the truth. When when you're not healthy, you you can't do anything. So you know, to me, it's such an integral part of my life is that you know eating healthy and just getting up and going in that ice every. It's changed my life, and I, I'm telling you, you need a you need a really big freaking ice bath. No, you need listen, the you need I, the giant the ice. ice. The you wouldn't fit in my ice bath. Okay? The problem with me in ice baths is I cannot be around another human being for fear of physical violence towards you. <laughs> so, and that's a real thing because. When I was playing ball, they would have to trick me. Like, <laughs> like the trainers would be like, "Come sit in the metal tub." They put the water in, and I like, "I'm out," and then like, yeah. I'll relax. Then they dump the ice in, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that's when. Yeah, I want to have you hand up first. But I'd have to be yeah. zip tied at least if I get out of the zip ties. But and they have, we have a walk in uh, one of the gyms where I live in Louisiana. We have the walk in ice thing, and I get I can go about as far as thighs, and then uh, I'm like, "Yo, listen, the knees and ankles are good, but." That's something that I, I've got to work on. And, and I live in hotels, and I was going to try to use the excuse, but you literally said, there, there's an ice machine two doors down. It might take some work, but it, it's about doing the little work. I had them bring up, like, buck giant vats of ice to get that thing down to 35 degrees. And it's amazing. But I'll tell you this also, like, today it's freezing in New York. I'm not even, I could walk out without, without a shirt on, and I don't even feel the cold anymore. Because you just, okay. So when when do you sleep? Now are you an eight hours guy? Do you need no. to get your so sleep? Because you're I've you're high energy, so I got a feeling you don't sleep. Sleep now. has been the one you know bane of my existence, but but in the last few months I've actually figured out a way to sleep well. So I'm you know taking some supplements that allow me to sleep really well. So I'm getting about six to seven hours a night now, is, and it's it amazing. Is ideal but... for me. I used to go by in two and three, and many nights zero. I could not fall asleep. So now. I'm sleeping great. It's been about four months now of good sleep, so I feel better from that as well. So some people are cursed with just insomnia, and I had that my whole life, but I, I never gave up trying to find the solution. I finally did, so thank God for that. All right, all right. and then before I let you go, listen to this, you mentioned the kids, and we got to talk about the dad stuff. You were affectionately a workaholic, to say the least. There's a strange, when you start spending time with your kids and you try to manage work, and father time because you can't do them together. Sure. How difficult was that for you? Because it's almost you're almost stepping into a new, yeah, to a new world, and and, and they notice everything. You can't be on your phone, like you, you can't be stressing over work. Like, was that an easy transition for you? You know, listen for me. I, I guess I'm old fashioned in a sense. I thought that my the most important thing I could do as a father, besides love my kids unconditionally, earn. was earn money to make sure I stay right. secure and safe. And I always did that even the worst times I always provided for them. And I don't understand 
men or women, like deadbeat dads or mom. Like, I can't, yeah, I, I can't get that, right? You know, how you could live with yourself and look in the mirror. But I, I think I just love my kids so much. Like, I was always there for them. So, and then I guess one of the advantages of, of living this life as an author, even though I travel a lot, when I'm here, I get to spend a lot of time, especially when they were younger. Now they're older. You know, it's like, once you, I'm begging, them to, spend, I'm begging yeah. them to spend time with me now. It's yeah, the opposite. Home now, you know, right? Uh, my 12 year olds are doing me dirty but i always said to myself that you know i need to provide for my family and that and that identify was a very high value for me so and i did a very good job with that and uh, thankfully my kids are grown now but we're really close i have a grandson now who's six months old which is amazing so i get to live you get to again. relive it and a lot of cases for the first time because you were working so much exactly do you think do you think men put too much price on being the provider opposed to to spending the time, the dad time, because a lot of times I, and I, I, cause I'm on the road all the time, but now that I've, cause fatherhood wasn't, I had to learn on the job also. So sure. it was kind of like, and I had a lot of like, man, the pressure and all this other kind of stuff, but I could never walk away. And sometimes throwing money on things don't make it better because yeah. they don't want, they don't give it. If I put a stack of hundreds on a table to my nine year old or said, let's put sure. a day with a daddy date, the daddy date's going to win. Now I won't do that with my 12 year old because they're going to take the money. But um, I think that since somewhat nowadays with technology, even if you have to travel for work, there's no reason you can't get. No, I'm a FaceTime dad. We're on all the time. We even sleep with the FaceTime. There's no reason that you can't connect with your children on video if you're traveling. But you could always, if you're here, it's 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 bullshit. You could always make time for the things that are that important to you. You can. So think that there's not enough hours in the day that you only have to work or you only have to focus on your kids. I believe that if you're really committed to the to the to these outcomes, you can find time to do both. Yeah, because you can you're find time yourself. to do bad things. That's again blaming others. Just a justification. There's t- enough hours in the day to make as much money as you need to make and spend time with your kids. That's my belief. No, I, and you're a thousand percent right because literally I will FaceTime in between during the day. Yeah, I have an Xbox set up in my office so I can get them Minecraft whenever they need me. You know. To- <laughs> I'm the only one who knows a straight angle in terms of building their little houses for them. To we make time for the things that matter to us. Yes. So if your children truly matter to you, which most really do, you make the time. And if they don't, then you won't. That, that's a different issue. Then I think that's why you need to look in the mirror, as you said, the man right, in the yeah. mirror. So uh, is this out now? Out now on Amazon and bookstores. Doing thank, thankfully, it's doing really, really well. And I, I think it's a must read because. It answers that question. What do you do with your money yes. to set yourself up for the future? And it's entertaining. Yeah. Because I, I did the cheat code or went to the middle of the book, and I was like, I got to start over. Yeah. So, uh, you know, make sure you guys pick this up. I've got two copies. Uh, actually, no, I got a third one, too. So I got one, too. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> yeah. to uh, I'm gonna try to get the wife to read this. Uh, so that when I explain, because what happens is when you learn new information, you get excited and you want to share. Right. And usually when I want to share, she's like, how much is it going to be? Yeah. <laughs> I've been known to uh, invest in some stuff, things here and there, but mostly more like uh, animals and stuff. But um, this is very cool. Uh, the Wolf of Investing. I like it. So you're sticking with the wolf, huh? The wolf. I mean, uh, if, you know, you can't be. I tried Jordan. Everyone loves the movie, loves the identification with that. Right. So I figured, you know, if that's going to help people look at the book, well, why not? And the, the nice thing about the movie is it, told the story but it allowed room for redemption yeah it didn't end with the the jail cell closing exactly like it it showed that you were able to come back from it and i think that's probably the strongest message you know i'll tell you something just i know we're almost out of time but the great story is that the movie was first going to be made in 2007 and it got delayed with the writer strike 
So it didn't get go back into reduction for four more years, 2011, 2012, right? Well, what happened is when that movie was first written, the script, it ended with the door slamming because that's where I was. I just got out of jail. Right. But over those four years, I made a comeback. And when the time came around for them to make the movie, Scorsese is... I saw all these videos of you speaking, and he was so intrigued by the comeback story, they changed the third act. And they needed to because that what and makes it, the movie so much different yes. than so, any other. And I hate to use the term gangster, but like it's like that kind of like you were you were playing high high stakes poker with big boys, you know. And and and, and for that, usually when it's over, one the, the main character either dies in a right. gunfight or he's at the bottom of a jail. And yeah. you took it to the next step to where you're like. Yeah, the, and that's where most people, because they use actual footage at the end of the movie, and that's where you're like, I know, I've seen that guy. I've, I stayed exactly. up and watched that guy. Right. You know, because you Leonardo, you're like, oh, that's Leonardo. Be Leo. <laughs> then you're like, no, 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 that's the dude. I stayed up and watched it. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I rewrote my own life story while it was being made into a movie. I used a delay, which was bad news. Oh, my God, the movie's delayed four more years. But rather than I could have said, oh, my life's so what can I do? I thought it was going to be a movie. But instead, I just put one foot in front of the other, and I built this really successful business speaking around the world, teaching sales, people, entrepreneurs. And when Scorsese saw that, he said, we have to change this movie because it was so fundamental to the story. As you said, made it a, a better movie. And I think the lesson there is that it's never too late. You can always rewrite your life story, but number one, you got to take responsibility for whatever you did wrong. You have to accept it, not blame others. And then also the certain skills you're probably going to have to learn and master, and then just take massive action, massive hard work, and it's never too late to change the story of your life. As long as you're willing to do the work. Bingo. Well, Mr. Wolf, thank you so much, man. My pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. Ice bath. I'm all over it. Ice baths. You got to get a really big ice bath for you. Yeah. Oversized yeah. ice bath. Yeah. Well, I got a giant. You like 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 a, like an iceberg of ice. To Maybe do. one of those horse tubs. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? One of those big tin ones, because everything I do is grandiose and ridiculous. So <laughs> there has to be something giant that my kids yeah. are afraid of or... I try to talk, you know, because my son plays, uh, he's in travel baseball, and I tell him to take ice baths all the time, and he has the same problem that I do when he gets to the tub, and his mother is not appreciative of his, his behavior when he's, it's the ice. the ice. Something about the ice, just, it's just, I wasn't born. Genetically, there's some issue with me and ice. Like, I don't get mad when I'm in the sun at all, but you Man. put an ice cube on me, I'm going to have a problem. So I, I'm gonna work on I'm gonna work on myself. Yeah. Next time I, I see you, yeah. I'm gonna be able to tell you that I sat for six minutes, and I feel like a, I feel a like a superstar. <laughs> I'll be like, all right, bro, I did it. Or I'm gonna say, didn't go well. I need to do a hotel to stay. <laughs> if you have any recommendations, that'd be great. Thanks again, man. My I pleasure. appreciate. It. If I give you a chance, if we have a pen to get you signed, yeah, one of these, that'd be that'd be amazing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs>